Greetings and salutations. You're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife, Harmony Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood? Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses warped your perspective? Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen? Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to This Ends at Prom. This Ends at Prom is a Pod People production. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I. Welcome to This Ends at Prom, a weekly podcast where I, BJ Colangelo, a cisgender queer femme, introduces my wonderful, incredible, delightful, I'm already running out of adjectives wife. That's because you said wonderful, I think, every single time. We well, are and, wonderful. Oh, thank you. I'm Harmony Colangelo. And Harmony, why, why is it special that we introduce movies to you? Because I am a trans lady who did not grow up as a young lady and therefore did not watch things like today's movie. (laughs) That is correct. And today we have our very first guest, y'all. I know that you're probably really excited to hear a voice that isn't mine or Harmony's. So we would like to introduce our first guest. We have Willow Hawks from The Sonderbombs, who I know all of you love from our theme song. Willow, thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. This is so exciting to be here. Well, we're excited to have you, and I am personally very excited about the movie you brought. So I'm so glad. What did you bring for us today? So, um, I brought you High School Musical, the first one. Oh, fantastic. And why did you bring us High School Musical? So, I thought High School Musical would be a good one because I would say it, it was the first, the first thing as, like, a preteen, like, younger girl that, like, I ever became obsessed with. Okay, so, you, you know, how old were you when this came out? If I'm remembering correctly, I feel like it came out in either 2007 or 2008. I can't remember exactly, but I want to say I was like 11 or 12. I was still in middle school. That's um, like the perfect age, I think, to have seen this movie. Oh, yeah. And well, because I wasn't in high school yet. So I was I saw this movie and I was like, oh, OK, I'm ready for high school then. High school this is musical how it's is actually be. a 2006 <laughs> release. So you might have been even younger. Oh, yeah. 2006. What? Really? Yes, really. Wow, okay, so I was 10. Okay, so you were 10, I would have been 16, and Harmony, you'd have been, what, 15? 15, and we were both in high school when High School Musical was (laughs) actually out. Oh, wow, yeah, so. So what sparked this obsession, and this is not me asking in the sense of, like, I don't understand it, because I understand it, but what about (laughs) this movie made you obsessed? Um, well... Uh, going as far back as I can remember, I just, I loved being in school musicals and 
the idea of high school was like always very romanticized. And Mm -hmm. so it's like a combination of two things that like I was very excited for at that point in my life, you know. Not to mention, like, everybody was talking about it. Because it blew up on Disney. Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was everywhere. And I remember the first day, <laughs> the first day of seventh grade, I had, um, do you remember those really obnoxious pens that you could buy at Walmart that, ha- that like, if you press the top of it, it would sing? Yes, I do oh, remember these. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so I had those. Like, I had those for every movie. Like, oh, for, for every wonderful. high school musical movie. <laughs> Yeah. Did, and did you also have the singing toothbrush? Because that was a thing. I might have had one of those. Those were the best. They were supposed to teach you how long to brush your teeth by playing a song. And they definitely had High School Musical ones. Oh, my God. I, see, I think I would have remembered if I had had one of those. But now I wish maybe I could get one on eBay. Oh, totally. I'm sure it's used, so that would be lovely. <laughs> Yay! Probably super cheap, too. <laughs> so, Harmony, what was your, I guess, previous knowledge of High School Musical before Willow and I made you watch this? Made is a strong word. <laughs> I I chose to watch this, but uh, I actually had pretty much no experience because I was a 15-year-old boy in high school, which meant... Yeah, I I steered far away from this because I, I Willow. Out of curiosity, were you in theater as well? I think my star just shone too bright for the stage because <laughs> I loved theater. I would I I went to a lot of shows when I was younger with my grandma. Like I think the first musical that I ever saw and became like super obsessed with that I saw live was Little Shop of Horrors. Um, That's a perfect one. Yeah. And so I knew that, you know, I knew the whole score front to back for that one. And so I tried to be in drama club. I always auditioned for plays and musicals, but I, I like never really got in. I think I was in maybe three in my entire, you know, uh, school career. Uh, So this is like a gradient, basically, of BJ, who went to college and studied theater, (laughs) you, who was kind of in theater, and me, who had nothing to do with it then. (laughs) Yeah, so I am coming to High School Musical from an interesting perspective, because uh, my senior year, I was Thespian Society president, and I was also awarded Best Female Actress, Best Female Character Actress, wow. Best Female Vocalist, and I was given, like, the Choral Award my senior year. So I was, like, knee-deep in theater kid lameness. Um, so my relationship <laughs> with High School Musical is very interesting because when it came out as a high schooler, I was, like, violently against it. Because I felt it was trivializing something that I, like, held so sacred. Oh, my God. (laughs) And it's only been as an adult where I can look back and go, oh, no, this is very cute and very fun, and I like this, and I can't shit on the people who loved this because I get it. I totally get it. Also, they were all, like, we were all kids. The people that loved it were kids, you know? So Oh, yeah. Oh, I had teachers in school who were very into High School Musical. No. Like, I remember one of my English (laughs) teachers, when she would bring up High School Musical and talk about it with some of the girls in class, she would say things like, oh, but Zac Efron, he's a handsome young man. 
And I was just like, I look back at that now and go, oh God, I'm uncomfortable. But no. when I would call her out then, she would be like, I have like an eight-year-old girl. Like I've watched this a lot. And that doesn't really defend it. That makes me think about all of like the suburban moms who would show up to Twilight screenings. Oh my god, I was literally just about to say that because they came out in like the same like year or two. Oh yeah, that's like that same like chunk of time where all the things that were really cool for teen girls were also suddenly super cool for like stay-at-home moms and I mean or like grandmas need it but like these are children let's calm ourselves a little bit well and I think the (laughs) the weird thing about Twilight I mean there's a lot of weird things about Twilight let's be real but the 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 weird thing about Twilight is that like grandmas could love him because Edward is technically like a hundred something years old he's like a hundred and eight I think but like teenagers also loved him it was like so it was so weird it's just Teen girls are obsessed with dating older men a lot. I don't... Yep. I, I knew so many... Like, there we had um, a, a history teacher that all the teen girls crushed on. Like, it was that one scene in Indiana Jones where they're all like, huh, and it's like <laughs> the girl's blinking and it's got stuff written on her eyelids as messages to him. We had oh teachers God. like that. I'm like, why is... Something about this older man, but he's not older, but he's older in Twilight just created this weird dynamic that appealed to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was in that sweet spot for extra gross. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's get gross and let's talk about some of these characters. <gasps> so first, let's go with our, you know, Justin Bieber haircut inspiring Troy <sighs> Bolton by Mr. Zac Efron. What do we think of Zac Efron or Troy Bolton or both? I had a fun experience when we were watching this because, again, I knew nothing about this going in. And at first it's like, oh, this is kind of like Grease in the first, like, ten minutes. Yeah! And then it gets going and I have this moment where I'm like, oh, is he a basketball star but he wants to be a singer? And BJ goes, honey, that's the whole point of the movie. How do you not know this? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I thought that at least, like, watching Vines and memes over the years would have at least given you that much insight. No. But it was the most genuine, like, oh, he's a basketball star who wants to sing. It's so cute. My parents' friends are always saying, your son's the basketball guy. You must be so proud. Sometimes I don't want to be the basketball guy. I just want to be a guy, you know? Yeah, so I like Troy. I think he's nice. Seems (laughs) like a good boy. Willa, what do you think of Troy? I love Troy because all he wants to do is just be himself and, you know, his friends pressure him. His dad's his dad is pressuring him. Like, everybody's like, you have to be this macho man. And he's like, I don't fucking subscribe to your toxic masculinity. I just want to sing. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's, like, so pure. And I think, like, especially at the time, like, the boys that were my age when I was watching this, too, like, I think that's something that was probably necessary for them to hear. Whether or not they took to that message, like, it is a good message. Oh, absolutely. I agree completely. And what's interesting about High School Musical is that this is a movie that... I mean, pretty much anything that's on the Disney Channel to some extent is catering to young girls. Like, that tends to be the the most dynamic and extreme demo that they have. But this is ultimately a movie that's more about a boy than it is about anybody. Like, obviously, Gabrielle's Well, that's a big most part movies, isn't it? 
Yeah. But, like, obviously Gabriel's a big part of it, but this is Troy's story, but this is very much a girl movie, if that yeah. makes sense. Well, yeah, you can't have a heartthrob without a male lead. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good point. So then we have Gabriella, and she is, you know, our math geek, but she's also a very gifted singer, so how do we feel about her? Okay, I just want to step in and say very gifted singer is a very generous comment. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to be nice because in the world she's this gifted singer, but to people who actually understand how voices work, Vanessa Hudgens is trying. (sighs) She's trying. It's really, and, and not to sound like, like overly confident or, um, cocky but as like a professional musician mm-hmm. it's it is like so difficult for me to watch the scenes where she's like singing these super high like <laughs> vocal runs that I'm just like and it's not even that I think it's impossible for her to do but you know when you're like 15 your voice is changing and she was a kid oh, yeah. and they're having her do all this crazy stuff and it doesn't when you listen to her voice it doesn't sound like they were giving her proper like you know, vocal lessons or like really giving her the tools to succeed. I think Disney just kind of threw her into the fire with that one. And it makes me feel bad when I watch it. Oh, I, I, I mean, they to. replaced uh, Zac Efron's voice in the first I know. one, didn't they? Yes, so they did. And they maybe just, his voice was too cracky. I don't know. Well, and that's, that's the other part that upsets me is that they're like, oh no, like Zac Efron, don't worry. We'll get you somebody who can like sing really well and we'll just dub his voice over. And sorry, Vanessa, but you know, you're just going to have to suck it up. <laughs> and <laughs> so Zac Efron's voice, um, he's Drew Seeley, um, who also replaced Zac Efron on the High School Musical tour because he was too busy shooting Hairspray and, you know, being <gasps> teen dreamboat Link Larkin. Um, but Drew Seeley also wrote a lot of the music for High School Musical and auditioned for Troy. So I have this weird thing where I feel so bad for Zac Efron because they replaced his voice in the first movie. But then I also feel really bad for Drew Seeley because it's like, thanks for writing this and singing this. Also, we're not using your face. Yeah. Wait, what does, do do we know what Drew Seeley looks like? Are they similar? Like, he looks just like every, you know, like white guy. I don't know how else to describe him. Gosh, that is, that is kind of tragic. Yeah, it kind of breaks my heart a little bit, but he, uh, yeah, he was on, like, One Tree Hill, and, you know, he's, he's, he's a very good-looking kind of Disney boy. Good. Oh, he, I just looked him up. He looks very fine. He has big He's not bad. Teeth. He's, he's cute enough. Yeah. Sure. But he doesn't wow. have that, like, Zac Efron it factor. No, he doesn't. Wow. So, it does kind of suck because you're absolutely right. Like, Drew Seeley or, you know, Troy Bolton is singing circles around Vanessa Hutchins. And it kind of hurts sometimes. Which is funny for me to hear both you say because... BJ and I have this conversation all the time about she'll criticize either like dancing techniques that she sees in like just anything, TikTok videos, movies, TV, it doesn't matter. She goes, that's horrible technique. And she does the same thing for singing as well, because I don't have the trained ear for it. But listening to you both just go, she was bad, or she just wasn't like, she was not quite where she needed to be. And I'm like, I thought she sounded fine, but I guess <laughs> on a rewatch, I'd probably notice it more. <laughs> and that's the thing, is she sounds 
fine for what she's doing. She, it's fine. It's fine for a Disney Channel original movie, but I think that if they had anticipated how big it was going to be that maybe Disney Channel would have given her a little more help, or I hope at least. So what's you interesting know? is that High School Musical was something that was in production for the Disney Channel um, since the late 90s. It was this idea they kept kicking around, and the original idea way, way back in the day was the same story mm. but starring Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears. <laughs> Which I think... What? I would have died <laughs> if that actually happened. Oh my god! That would have been so huge. But that's like really funny to hear. Well, okay, so that would have been in the mid-90s when they were still Mickey Mouse Club, wouldn't it be? So it was like 99. So oh, it was like, they were big then already. Yeah. It was like wow. freshly big. Okay. Yeah, but that didn't happen, and that's why we have the High School Musical that we know and love today. Which is, okay, oh so... Oh my god. So you've been playing a lot of High School Musical songs on and off since we watched this. Oh yeah. So, what's, what's the one from the second movie that you think is the best song in the whole series? Oh, bet on it. Oh okay. my god, yeah, duh! <laughs> <laughs> so we were playing that last night, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm a sore, I'm a sucker for Breaking Free because I like a good ballad, yeah. but... BJ goes, oh no, this is the best song. And I go, okay, yes, I can look at this <laughs> critically and say, this is the best song. It's basically a Justin Timberlake song, but I have a soft spot for the first movie songs, which as like a genre is like Aaron's party, come and get it, but for oh. an entire musical. And I'm okay with that. Wow. Yes. <laughs> that is it's, so real. It's so much more teeny bop, but it's wholesome in a way. And I like that. It is. It is. And it's actually funny that like, BJ, that you think that get on or uh, bet on it, <laughs> get on it, that you think bet on it is the best song because that is the song that I had the pen for, the one that sang. Oh, perfect. And I remember on my first day of seventh grade going into class and I had this pen and I was really excited about it, but it kept going off in English <laughs> class. And every time it went off, everybody just fucking laughed at me. And I was like, you know, I kind of deserve this. Like, I brought, <laughs> uh, a, I brought a Troy Bolton bet on it singing pen to the first day of seventh grade. Like, I would have immediately wanted to be your friend. I would have been like, we need to talk about this pen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we would be remiss not to talk about main characters and not talk about our antagonist, which is... Sharpay Evans. Let's start there. What do we think of Sharpay? She's my favorite. <laughs> she's my favorite character. I love her. <laughs> so why she's do you, awful. I was going to say, why do you love her? Here's the thing. If if Sharpay was a person in my high school, I would find her so intolerable and frustrating. But yeah. as a character, I think she's amazing because <laughs> she's so campy and ridiculous. And I look at her outfits and go, oh, everyone else is wearing clothes. You're wearing a costume. <laughs> Yeah, she's just like over the top extra in every single thing she does. Ryan, we need to save our show from people who don't know the difference between a Tony Award and Tony Hawk. And the way she talks, and the way she walks, and the fact that she has uh, like double pink lockers with like a whole closet set up in them. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> And what's fun is that High School Musical was filmed at an actual high school in Salt Lake City, and that pink locker is still there, and students can still use it. <gasps> Could you imagine, like, showing up to your freshman year, and you get your locker assignment, 
and it's Sharpay's locker. Oh my okay. god, I would have like I would brawl. I would have brawled with somebody in the hallway <laughs> for that locker. I would have been like that no, this is mine now. I'll give you 20 bucks for it. Like get uh, the fuck out of my way. I would have <laughs> loved that. See, the thing is I feel like if it was my high school, if you were a boy who got that locker, you would have gotten made fun of though. Because my high school was, like, super repressed about stuff like that. But every girl would be super excited. Yeah. So that's another thing that we talk about a lot on the podcast is sort of the differing dynamics in our high school. So you obviously don't have to say, like, the exact school. But if you could give an idea of sort of the type of area that you went to school in and sort of what your high school demographics looked like. Yeah. I mean, I went to to school... um for most of my life in a pretty, uh, I guess you could say, um, like, artistic and progressive suburb of Cleveland. Okay. And so it was very interesting because one of my bandmates, (laughs) my friend Jer, we've been watching High School Musical together on FaceTime, like, through quarantine. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Just because it's so ridiculous. And it's funny because um, they grew up more in like a Troy Bolton role where they were always very musically inclined and like interested in that but they were pushed to like you know they did every sport Um, yeah and one of their parents was like actually a coach too oh so so it's like one double pressure it was like and it's so funny because whenever we watch it they're just like this is this was literally my life like that like (laughs) so um and we talk about it because it's interesting my high school experience at my high school, they didn't really care about sports. Like, everybody went to the homecoming games because it was something to do. But, like, people didn't actually give a shit about the athletic teams and, like, whether or not they did well or if they were going to state, like, any of that shit. Um, and most of the focus was, it really was on drama club. Uh, the school musicals and plays were always, like, the bigger events of the year. Like, everybody went. So it was, it's interesting when I watch High School Musical because I'm like, it seems like East High has a lot going on where they respect both to like the craziest degree, right? Mm-hmm. But it does seem like in most high schools it's either or. Oh yeah, I mean in the um, in the high school musical universe, there's definitely a lot. Like they have the money to have a very nice high school. Obviously, like that place is is a mansion compared to where I went to high school. Yeah, but they definitely don't want to. I think everyone wants to like theater in that movie, at least the first one, because I haven't seen the other ones. We'll get to that one day, but <laughs> um, no, no one seems to want to turn up until till Troy's there. He's he's the star who like brought this all together. I feel like our our savior, yeah, <laughs> our savior Troy Bolton. My high school is definitely very sports minded. Um, I mean, it was right out. I grew up right outside Chicago. So my senior year, our high school basketball team went to state and in one of the rounds, like one of the teams that was playing had Michael Jordan's son on it. Another one had Derrick Rose, who's like an NBA player. So it was a big deal. Like sports were the thing. And um, what's also great is the high school that I went to has been around forever, but they built a new building. And right around the same time that the new high school is being built, um, the nuclear power plant, where most of the people worked, uh, shut down. So a lot of funding got lost, which means that when they built the new high school, they just didn't build a 
like a, a new fine art center. So if we did theater, we had to get bused to the old campus, like the one that like my parents went to in order to perform on this stage that hadn't been updated since the seventies and was oh basically gosh. a gym, which was infuriating because we had like the most state of the art sports centers and, you know, absolute trash when it came to the arts. But what I kind of love about it is that everyone who left from our high school could belt like a motherfucker because the microphones were incompatible and you couldn't depend <laughs> on them. So oh like God. that's a good thing that came out of it. Uh, wow. So funny, especially cause like BJ, you've seen my high school. Like have. haven't you like performed in my high school or something? No, I've gone to shows at your high school. Okay. So you know that my high school didn't have a theater they had a cafeteria that had a stage and they yes. would bring out the folding chairs oh my so in gosh. terms of priority for, and like, that was the new cafeteria. They built that like a few years before I got to high school. So that was like the new swanky thing. I don't know what they did before that, but I definitely wow. went to a very sports forward <clears throat> school, at, not to brag or anything, but my class was the first class to get ranked one at state all four years for marching band. Wow. Oh, oh, I forget. Wow. We're in the presence of a section leader, so... Uh, yeah, and all the other ones hated me because <laughs> I didn't care because they thought my section was going to be the one to blow it for them at state every year, and they didn't. <laughs> so, wow. So kind of reeling ourselves back in. Um, Sharpay would be nothing without her twin brother, Ryan. How do we feel oh, about yeah. Ryan? Oh, yeah. I love Ryan. I think he deserves much more in terms of just everything. In terms of respect and acknowledgement. <laughs> just, I love him. He's so good. I think so too. I love me a good jazz square and Ryan is king of the jazz squares. Yes, he is. <laughs> Call back! Call back for roles Arnold and Minnie next Thursday, 3.30 p.m. Ryan Sharpe Evans, Gabriella Montez, and Troy Bolton. Is this some kind of joke? They didn't even audition! Maybe we're being punked. Maybe we're being filmed right now. Maybe we'll get to meet Ashton! Oh, shut up, Ryan! Something that comes up a lot, especially with Ryan, is sort of his very obvious queer identity. How do we feel about this? I loved it. Like, I loved, like, even, even when I was in middle school, like, I loved that representation. And it, it kind of bummed me out when it felt like they were trying to make him straight in, like, the second and third movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's disappointing. Oh, yeah, you're he, not... Spoiler alert. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, spoilers! Whoops! <laughs> I guess I guess he gets less overtly but, gay, which is disappointing. The actor's well, too no, that, gay, too, right? I don't know. Yeah, um, the... I believe, yes. But I've... I wouldn't say that they make him less overtly gay, it's just that, you know, this is not a High School Musical 2 or 3 podcast today, so we'll get to that at a different point. But I was reading an interview with Kenny Ortega, the director of High School Musical. Um, Shout out, Kenny. For those at home who may be like, I know that name. How do I know this name? 
you know, he directed Hocus Pocus. Um, but Kenny Ortega has defended Ryan's character as not being openly gay because the unfortunate reality is so many kids who, even if they are gay as the day is long in high school, may not feel completely safe or comfortable coming out um, and expressing that. And Ryan sort of represents that kid that we all know is gay. And when they come out in college, we're like, well, yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, and I kind of like that representation. I know some people get really mad about it because they're like, why can't he just be gay and be happy? And it's like, well, because unfortunately for a lot of places in America, that's not realistic. Yeah, like where I went to school. Yeah, what would have happened if the Ryan at your school would have been out? Um, honestly, I, uh, I don't want this to sound wrong, but it's going to come out weird. I would say all of the bigots in my town are not going to really do anything about it. <laughs> So they'll be more like, hush, hush, I hate you, rather than, like, violent bullying. Okay. But we had gay kids in my school. We had, like, three gay dudes, and they all dated each other on and off. (laughs) And there was always this, like, odd man out situation where someone wasn't getting dated, and then they would be extra catty. And for the most part, they were fine. There was a lot of, um, a lot of gay best friend thing going on in my high school where uh, they were being young what's 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 that quote i really like uh being young and bitchy isn't a person young bitchy and gay isn't a personality yeah yeah it was a lot of that so then all of like their girlfriends loved it when they were being awful and everyone else thought they were terrible but it didn't really have to do with them being gay so much as they were just really annoying gotcha okay how about you? Because, Willow, it sounds like your school was a little bit more progressive-minded. And also, there is a, you know, five- to six-year age difference. And yeah. once you get into sort of, like, the millennial Gen Z age group, these, like, four- to five-year age differences are massive. Oh, yeah. Compared yeah. to, like, Even in know, the four Gen years S. after I left high school, they got, like, essentially a GSA and started doing, like, transgender bathroom protection. Yeah, so, Willow, how is your high school experience in terms of queer acceptance I mean yeah I I think just because of the city that I grew up in and um the way that like like my neighborhood um that I grew up in and that I went to school in was always kind of referred to as like the gayborhood oh yeah of Cleveland (laughs) and so that was kind of like it was kind of like a like a staple of like the city's personality you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um and I think a lot of a lot of appreciation for the arts you could attribute to the fact that people, you know, looked at it as this like queer, inclusive, um, progressive neighborhood. So uh, I don't know. I think people still. I mean, when you're in high school, like you're most people say like dumb shit, and so there were, you know, there were still like um, slurs thrown around, stuff like that. But it it was more um, in in my experience. What I've like I witnessed was that it was more joking. Mm-hmm. Like if anybody was directly homophobic, like it would be shut down. Like well, that's good. Th- there wasn't yeah there wasn't really a tolerance for that kind of stuff. But also like I hung out with all the queer kids, not realizing that I was one for <laughs> for the longest time. Um, <laughs> So, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe because I was closer to it, I didn't see the really bad parts of it, if there were any. But I don't know. I guess I guess I didn't see any of the bad parts. I don't want to say that there wasn't, because I'm mm. sure that there was. 
And I think that's really important is for us when we recognize that just because we didn't see something doesn't mean that it didn't exist. And yeah, um, I also needed to confirm for myself because it was going to drive me crazy. So Lucas Grabeel, who plays Ryan Evans, is actually not gay. Oh. He's straight. Well, good for him, And <laughs> as early as, like, earlier this year, um, or as recently as earlier this year, he actually did a big interview where he talked about how if High School Musical was made today... Uh, he wouldn't have accepted that role because even though Ryan isn't openly gay, he's clearly coded as gay, and he thinks that it would have been more important for an actual gay person to have played that role. Aw, yeah, good for him. I really, I really like that. That's the stance that he's taking um, because I think he recognizes the importance of that character and what Ryan meant to so many people, and that's that's something really lovely about the staying power of High School Musical because even though you know, Disney Channel is relatively progressive um, as of late, I should say. It still has this reputation of being the clean, wholesome, you know, very Christian network. Very traditional. Yes, very much so. Good classic American values. That's 100%. So the fact that they had this character who was so clearly gay... There were plenty of kids who probably didn't understand it. They were just like, oh, he likes theater. But to any gay kid, they were like, oh, no, that's me. I see I see me. Yes. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, like Willow, like you were saying, and it's this kind of thing where gay kids are going to see themselves in Ryan or can, like, sort of recognize him. Um, like, you were saying that you hung out with a lot of the queer kids, even though you didn't, you know, fully know you were queer yet. And I don't know how it is, like nationwide, but that's definitely like the growing up queer kid Ohio experience for sure. Oh yeah. That's how it was where I was from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it it's funny because like I see myself in Sharpay and Ryan now. Mm-hmm. But like I remember that like I was I was like the girl that always had like all the gay best friends, you know? And so it's funny because like high school musical, like when I was in middle school that was me and my gay best friend. Like, we were Sharpay and Ryan. Like, <laughs> I kind of love that. Yeah. I mean, not in that we actually had any power or maybe even <laughs> talent, but that, <laughs> I don't know. Like, that was always our dynamics. When I was so. a high schooler, I had such an aversion to Sharpay as a character because I went, you know, I was big in theater. And my, I don't know if you want to call her my, like, arch rival or my nemesis. That sounds so dramatic. No, but I know school, what you mean, though. Everything when is dramatic. When you're a dramatic. teen, you have one of those. Everything's yeah, dramatic. Yeah, everyone does. But she was the Sharpay. And I was not. You know, I was always a little punk shit. And then I would, like, put on a wig and a dress and play a different character. Because I was, I was like, it's acting. Like, I'm playing somebody that's not me. So I had this strong aversion to her because I'm like, I know you and you're a bitch and I hate you. <laughs> but then like, as I've gotten older, I love Sharpay so much because she's a, a mess. And I love messy, dramatic people from a distance. And I get to have that distance when I'm watching a movie. <laughs> yes. Okay. And so I totally feel that because I was the same where, where I was like a little punk shit and I think that I saw myself in Sharpay because that's, like, where I wanted to be. Like, I wanted to be, like, the top theater kid. Like, I wanted to be the star in in everything. Like, that's what I wanted. That's what I aspired to be. Whether or not that's actually <laughs> where I ever 
ended up. Definitely not. Um, but, like, I don't know. Like, I liked... I liked that she was powerful, you know? Like, that was always too. very uh, appealing to me. I do, too. And let's... Let's kind of pivot a little bit and talk to some of the other powerful influences at East High. Um, our two main side ca- characters, uh, they also fill sort of our like diversity quota, which is always uncomfortable. But we have Chad and Taylor. So Corbin Blue and Monique Coleman, respectively. Um, yes. How do we feel about Chad and Taylor? Chad sucks a little bit. Chad's very much about like maintaining the status quo and I mean there's a a whole song about it so yes yes. like it's all about just you know going with the flow and don't rock the boat kind of thing that I don't really like about indoctrinating youth like he comes around I definitely had the moment with him where I just kept quoting the vine of is that Corbin Blue from Jump In (laughs) and I didn't learn his name until probably mostly through the movie when he turned around and he started being a little bit better and I went oh his name's Chad Oh, I don't, I don't, okay, his name would be Chad, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's definitely got the Chad personality. I, yeah, I don't know. I think growing up, like, I was always really frustrated with him just as a friend because I was like, you're supposed to be supportive. Like, Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be, like, friends against their oppressive parents, you know? And Chad, I feel like, probably really looks up to, like, Troy's dad just, like, as a coach, and yeah. is like, yeah. yeah, dude, like, your dad's the coach. Like, you need to be a sports bro. Like, get it together. But it also kind of makes me sad for Chad because, I don't know, he's really, he's really wrapped up in that, in that, that brand of toxic masculinity where it's like sports, 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 like. Yeah, I think Chad's more obsessed with obtaining the bro code than, yeah. like, the friend code. Yeah. Yeah. And something that's really sad about Chad and a lot of, you know, Troy's kind of sports friends, even, you know, his dad to some extent. Actually, no, his dad to, like, full extent. Is... His dad's, like, pathetic. We'll Ugh. get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this idea that so much of their lives and their identities are wrapped around Troy. You know, without Troy, they're not going to win the big game, which makes the coach look bad and which makes the rest of the team look bad. So they have tied their self-worth into the achievements of somebody else. And that brings out a lot of these really ugly behaviors. And so in a lot of ways, as much as Chad drives me up the fucking wall, I get it. And I just feel very bad for him that this is where his value set it is that he's not feeling enough of himself that he now has to project all of that onto his best friend. These Wildcat legends became legends because they never took their eye off the prize. Eat your head in the game! Now, who was the first sophomore ever to make starting varsity? Troy! So who voted him our team captain this year? Us! And who is going to get their sorry butts kicked in Friday's championship game if Troy's worried about an audition? Yeah. We're talking about how Sharpay is the villain. Like, no, Troy's dad's the real villain. He really is. Like, none of this would have been an even issue if Troy's dad wasn't the problem. Yeah. They were on vacation, like, and there was a party going on, and he's like, come on, son, let's just, let's shoot some hoops and get sweaty before we have to put our nice clothes on. <laughs> Well, and that's so true. Like, it, and that's, yeah, like you said, it's like Chad doesn't see that he is also an amazing athlete. And he just, he puts all this pressure on Troy as though, like, if they win the game because Troy does well, that means he's going to get a scholarship too. It's like, no, you're going to get a scholarship either way because you are also a good athlete and you need to, like, give your friend 
some space to like be his own person. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel very much that Taylor is sort of doing a similar thing with Gabrielle in the sense that, you know, they want to win the academic thing. I, there's so many different ways. Academic team, quiz bowl, mathletes, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But she kind of is adding that pressure onto her because, oh, you're going to be the new ringer and without you, then we all suffer and that's such an unfair amount of pressure to put on anybody regardless of what sort of click you're into but here's the thing with taylor is that she's not against she's not against gabriella being in a musical like that's true that is true i feel like what taylor is doing is she's looking out for gabby in terms of troy because taylor's very driven right like, she wants to be, the, like, president of the United States. Like, she has her yeah. whole life planned out. Like, she's got her shit together. And she sees her friend, who is also, like, very smart and, you know, has a bright future ahead of her, being kind of, like, swept up in this relationship with a guy who, like, can't figure out what he wants. And, like, I don't know about y'all, but, like, that happened plenty of times in my high school experience where I'm just, like, looking at my friends dating these guys, and I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, a really good point. I, th- I think Taylor's specifically looking at uh, Gabrielle and be saying basically that sh- she she's projecting this, like, dark fantasy where Gabrielle is not going to achieve anything, is going to settle down with, like, the high school sweetheart jock, and she's just going to not achieve her potential because she got with this guy who's going to expect her to, like, stay at home and have kids and... She's projecting all of these, like, fears onto Troy, even though that's not what he wants. But that's her impression of, like, the jock archetype. That's true. I think, yeah, I think that's exactly what's happening. And something else that I want to point out with Taylor, which is something that Harmony actually pointed out when we watched it, is how much this character feels like a Disney character written for raven Simone. In yeah. just yes. attitude. Just her mannerisms, mannerisms and her, like, the fashion. costuming choices. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weirdly frustrating to me because in the back of my mind I'm kind of having this red flag moment of like is this just how Disney wants to write black women is that what's happening here um so it would be remiss to not mention it at least um but I like Taylor as a character I like that she's very intelligent I like how passionate she is Mm -hmm. um because I don't think we have a lot of really passionate characters in high school movies that aren't also insufferable know-it-all busybodies and she's well, like Sharpay Sharpay yes. is super <laughs> super passionate about what she does like and she's she's like she's like the opposite of Taylor right like she is like super passionate about what she does in the same way but like also an absolute nightmare about it to everybody yeah. whereas like Taylor like looks at things logically and you know, like, that whole scene where her and Chad plot this, like, thing to show Gabriella that, like, Troy doesn't care about her. Like, mm-hmm. that was fucked up. That was her being, like, a really bad friend. But, like, she was still kind of doing it with the best intentions. Whereas, like, Sharpay's just kind of fucking evil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the- She's self-centered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's, she's bad. bad. Yeah, she's, she's responding in ways that completely 
are just to benefit her. And her brother. Okay, and her brother. But yeah, mostly Ryan. her. Ryan is such an afterthought. She doesn't give a shit about him. <laughs> what is She's going to carry him as she climbs the ladder, probably. What is the Yeah, while well, he's think... writing all the choreography. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what is the line that I think Chad has about how if she could find a way to play both Romeo and Juliet, her brother would be out of a job. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is like such a shitty thing. But I also have this weird thing with um, the characters of Sharpay and Ryan in that I feel like they had to make them siblings because if they didn't make them siblings, then like the Disney formula would have been that they were romantic interests and they didn't want there to be more romantic interests. So they're well, also like, they're like identical looking. Yes. Yeah. So they're like, nope, they're, you're twins. <laughs> Which makes so much more sense. Yeah. Which I didn't know they were twins until a little bit. And I was like, is, is Sharpay his beard? Like, what's going on? And you go, no, honey, they're siblings. I'm like, ah, that was not conveyed enough to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So, so I think in talking about these characters, we've done a pretty good job at talking about a lot of the relationships between them. So let's dive into sort of like the themes that exist throughout High School Musical. What are some main takeaways that you have in regard to like messages or morals that you learn from high school musical wow that's a that's a deep question um <laughs> we're getting deep I, here with decoms i'll i'll step in if you uh you yeah why don't you I, I need a moment sure. <laughs> all right uh i think like the main thing that they focus on uh is that high school functions in a very clicky environment everyone has their own bubbles the the kind of the representation of like the lunch tables sort of thing where everyone yeah. sits at their own table. They don't tend to like cross pollinate with other cliques. They don't do any of that. And there's that one lunchroom song, whatever it is, the one that's got little, the kid who bakes and the, Zeke. R- the, the Ricky oh. Lake lookalike girl who likes hip hop. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> she really is a Ricky Lake character. All yeah. But, <laughs> and you're telling me that, uh, BJ was telling me that, oh, this is how they set up the stage when they do this live. And I'm like, that makes sense. This is a good layout. Mm-hmm. But that whole song is about how people don't want to be con- like defined by one thing and they want to expand out and do other stuff that you know people might not expect about them. Yeah. And sort of being the opposite of expectations. And as a trans person, that resonates with me <laughs> on a special level. Aww. Honestly, okay, but for real, like there was a lot, I, okay. So the only thing I really knew about High School Musical going into this is I knew the imagery, so I knew what everyone looked like. Yes. And I knew uh, the closing song, We're All in This Together, because that was the one that got the major airplay, I guess. And uh, from that, that song is so not super indicative of what that whole musical is about, because it doesn't have any of the work. It doesn't have any of the setup. If you hear that song... Uh, in a just in a bubble, in a vacuum, devoid of all of the stuff that precedes it, it sort of exists as, hey, high school's cool, and we're going to work together, and everything's going to be hunky-dory, and it's this sort of toothless Disney message. But as the finale of this whole thing, it's everyone sort of growing to understand each other a lot more, and yeah. I like that a lot. There yeah. was... Um, an MTV special that they did for maybe one or two seasons that I really loved back in the day called If You Really Knew Me. And it was about uh, basically this sort of like self-help people who were, they, they weren't the important part, but they would go to schools and they would essentially for a full day just have all of the clicks break down and everyone would start talking to each other. And it opened up dialogue about 
your your fellow classmates, your peers, and how you didn't know anything about them and who they were. Oh my god, this was on MTV? Oh, MTV used to do really cool stuff back in the day. Like, I loved True Life. It was my jam. Wow, honestly, MTV failed me as, like, a teenager because... Oh yeah, a lot of this was off the air. I was, like, 16 and pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, this is that that five-year gap that we were talking about because, like, our version of MTV was a lot of these docu-series... Um, I mean, all bad reality TV, bad reality TV, but like I'll straight up admit I was on an MTV show called filmed uh, at my high school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it was about like pranks and legend, like urban legends and like things that happen at people's high schools. And the high school I went to had a protest because they, people were like screwing around in the bathrooms. So the parapro started locking the bathroom doors um, during passing periods. What? So kids couldn't use the bathroom. And then of course you'd be in the middle of class and you're like, hey, can I use the bathroom? And they'd be like, no, you should have went during passing period. So people were having like legit like walkouts because they couldn't go to the bathroom so a lot of fucking illegal yeah Uh it is (laughs) um but there was a lot of like honestly it was kind of spearheaded by the theater department because we're dramatic assholes where we were coming (laughs) to school with like diapers on over our clothing and like having giant oh my god (laughs) like protest papers that were thrown off the mezzanine into the library just like and then somebody broke into the school and spray painted the walls. Let our people pee. So it was a thing. Um, Let our people pee. Yes, it was like shut the fuck. It was up. like almost <laughs> urine town. Like it, we were so close. Um, <laughs> but this was a big chunk of like MTV was like trying to normalize <sighs> different, you know, lifestyles, and different lifestyles and experiences in high school. And then somehow, I think because 16 and Pregnant was so popular, that it was like, just kidding, we're going to do, like, TLC levels of exploitation about teens. Yeah. But, yeah, to bring everything back, like, the only exposure I had for High School Musical was the final song. And I really, like... Obviously, this is not targeted towards me. I'm I'm an adult now, but I still have childhood nostalgic feels for, for younger years, and I can understand the merit of stuff. If I didn't, this podcast wouldn't really work. <laughs> but I really liked a lot of the, uh, the ideas that were presented by this, and how... How, how it's like a very, you know, it's a very Disney version of, of these concepts, but it makes it very accessible to younger kids, and... Even if it doesn't really permeate with, like, the super-duper deep stuff, it gives you that base level that you can then build off of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. Yeah. Do you have any other takeaways as far as theming is concerned, Willow? Yeah, I mean, you know, you could do whatever you want to do. And I think, like, the fact that they are kind of near the end banding together to break out of those boxes that they've been put in, that's something that I have I have always been taught that by my family, but I think seeing it at a young age in like widespread media, like through high school musical, really kind of solidified that that idea was possible. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I think that was I think that was helpful to me. I agree with you. I think that the major theming of sort of being who you are and doing what makes you happy, I think is so important. But what I think High School Musical does in such a profound way is that it also kind of gives you a small dose of the reality that it is not going to be easy. 
and that bucking the system and the status quo is really hard and there are people that are going to be against you for no good reason other than you're not like me therefore I don't like it even your parents even your parents Uh and I think that that's really really important because I think a lot of us have been raised and fed this messaging of like do what you want and be who you are and you know you'll succeed and land among the stars whatever you know motivational poster slogan you want to give (laughs) right but the reality is like shit is hard Uh it's so hard (laughs) there's honestly like this whole movie has kind of got a lot of queer theming in general <laughs> well I mean... but like this is a these are universal experiences but i'm just sitting here and being self-centered and being like all of this relates to to my life from when i was younger so strongly <laughs> but well, i think that's a good thing yeah absolutely and i think like i think troy is such a strong character because i mean his dad is not right like no, his not dad is a very um a very sad, like, broken person. Like, Troy's dad is at a point in his life where, like, he went to work at the high school. He went back to work at the high school that he went to so that he could, like, pressure his kid into joining the basketball team that he was on so his kid could get the scholarship that he never got. And, like, just kind of puts all of his, like, hopes and dreams into his kid, which is... It happens all the time, Mm -hmm. and I just, I'm proud of Troy for being able to, like, you know, kind of see past his dad's trauma, if that makes sense, and like, yeah, yeah, like, I love you, dad, but this isn't what I want to do, and still being able to, like, find his own way and, like, pave his own path, because that is extraordinarily hard when you have a parent like that, you know? Yeah, we're definitely dealing with some generational trauma with both Troy and Gabriella because, you know, they're both being presented with these extreme pressures of, like, you have to do this, you have to succeed. And, like, Gabrielle's parents are a lot less aggressive about it, but there's definitely kind of that, not a helicopter parent, so to speak, but definitely placing a lot of importance on academics. Um, And, you know, Troy's dad is putting a lot of that sports pressure on that unfortunately I know way too many people who had parents like that so something that you might not know but hopefully listeners know by now so I'm a retired world champion competitive baton twirler and I started twirling when I was five I went pro at seven and I competed at the national and world level until I was like 22 and then I finally retired And I was very fortunate that my mom was like, you can keep doing this as long as it makes you happy. Um, They never like forced me to do anything I didn't want to do. But I knew so many girls that I competed with whose parents were like dance moms levels of crazy. Oh my God. And so when I look at like Troy's character, I feel so much for him because I'm like, oh, I've seen that firsthand and it is so scary. And then I've also seen it firsthand with, you know, my my male friends who have that socialization of like, well, you have to be masculine, you have to do sports. And there's that added level of pressure on top of just being good at athletics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that I kind of had a little taste of that when I was when I was younger, because um I had very involved grandparents, okay, um, and they were always like 
kind of trying to push me in one way or the other. Like, I remember they had me take soccer classes, and I didn't really take to it. So then they they gave me Irish step dancing lessons, and I didn't take to that. And I remember just kind of being, like, nagged at by people in my family being like, well, you have to practice. You have to practice if you're going to be good at this. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to be good at this. I'm fucking six years old. Like, give me a break. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Um, and even just, like, you know, with playing music, like, I... I went to, I had two years of piano lessons, and it never took to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know how to play piano. <laughs> I had two years of lessons, and I never practiced because I was being forced, kind of, to do it when I didn't want to. And it, it really wasn't until, like, my friend bought me a ukulele when I was 16, where I was like, okay, this is something I want to do now. And I had, like, literally my entire life I've been, like, I had been having people force me to play instruments and force me to be a musician, and I didn't want to do it. And then when I finally had the freedom to do it on my own, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, because I I don't think there's a lot of parents who are forcing their kids to play ukulele. I think people just sort of find that instrument on their own, like (laughs) BJ's uh, nephew Cash. Yes, my nephew is a little ukulele baby, and it's so cute. So cute. Small um, plug for Cash Plays Music on Instagram and YouTube. Oh yeah. my gosh, I'm going to follow right now. It's, oh, he's, he's great. Wonderful. Cash Plays I wanna, Music? I want to bring him here on the show sometime because he's an actual teen. Oh, <laughs> um, so. Plus he's like a perfect little nightmare and I adore yeah, him. he's a nightmare. But as far as things <laughs> go, I actually think that this is very interesting listening to you both talk about like the residual sports things that you had mm-hmm. when I actually was a young boy who was forced to do sports. Yeah, let's talk about you and the swim team. Let's go uh, with that. Oh, it's not, the thing is, it wasn't even just uh, a swim team. I did, like, every sport growing yeah. up because uh, BJ and I have talked about this just in our personal lives, but I was a, uh, I, I was a, I was a chubby bubby when I was little. I, I grew up a, a husky kid. You were a heavyweight stream. I was. Aww. And my mom and dad were very uh, not a fan of that. I, I, mm. I, I, I sort of hope that my mom doesn't ever decide to tune in and listen to us talk about oh teen God. movies, because it's not really her bag, but also because I'm probably just going to air out some dirty laundry every now and then. <laughs> and she'll be mad about it, but whatever. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> so I was forced to do soccer as a kid, hated it, there was too much running, uh, I ended up hitting a kid with my cast after I broke my wrist, and I did not do that anymore. I had been swimming since I was like six years old, I did that for 11 years, and did pretty okay at states, I wasn't like, you know, world champion at, in my sport like BJ was. Sorry about that. I did uh, wrestling. And was really bad at that because I'm a giant. I was like six feet tall, basically, Aww. and that meant that and I was I was like seventh grade, sixth seventh grade, and six feet tall and weighed a lot because uh, again I was a husky kid. So I was wrestling people who were like four years older than me, and it, <laughs> oh my god, I, I was not aggressive, and I just I got slammed into stinky four gym Four years? Mats. That's also four years worth of knowledge that they have yes. on you. That's yeah, fucked cause, like, up. <laughs> yeah, because wrestling works with weight classes and it does not work for, like, experience. Oh, so. my God. That just made me think about when I was in high school, one of my friends was on the wrestling team and he was, what is it, like, featherweight? Like, when you're really... When you're super wafy. When you're wafy, super yeah. wafy. Um, so he was featherweight, but... 
one of our opposing teams, somebody on the wrestling team was, they were, they were a little person. So they were like two feet shorter than him, which means their center of gravity is super low. So low. Like you can't take them down. Yeah. And it was always this like really uncomfortable thing for so many kids watching it because they were like, that, like nothing about this seems fair because their heights are so different, their center of gravity is so different, but that's just how weight classes work in wrestling. Yeah, it's it's nothing else matters in wrestling other than weight classes. So it's I did that for one summer and then never again. I played basketball on and off again, and unlike Troy, I was not the star player, but there was an expectation for me to be because I was probably six seven inches taller than everyone else on my oh. team. And again, like soccer, it was too much running and I hated it. And so they would say, just stand under the basket and get rebounds. And then you get the ball and then they're like, well, shoot the ball. And I would miss despite it being like three feet over my head. And then everyone would be disappointed in me. And oh, my God. oh yeah, I have many so much horrible trauma. <laughs> oh, we're not even done yet. We haven't gotten to Little League yet, which Little League's the worst one. Because swimming's bad. Like, the embarrassment of being a husky kid and you only allowed to swim in Speedos, not great. Not not a good look for me, unfortunately, as a kid. And, like, this is not to body shame anyone, but I was not comfortable in those Speedos physically or emotionally. <laughs> but... I mean, who the fuck is? Yeah, well, they have things that they introduced after a certain point called Jammers, which were basically the boxer's version of oh, the, yes, the Speedos are. briefs. Yes. Yeah, they wow. introduced those eventually, and then it wasn't so bad. But uh, when I got to Little League, you'd have these experiences where you'd be a giant kid stepping up to the plate, and <laughs> then you'd see everyone in the outfield during, like, inning one, inning two. They'd be like, oh, Jesus, big kid's like a slugger. We're going to have to... They take, like, ten steps back into the outfield, <laughs> and then I strike out immediately, and then they go, oh... <laughs> And then you see them not care and not be intimidated for the rest of the game. And my mom's strategy, my mom and dad's strategy was, oh, well, you know, we'll put you on sports and you'll lose weight and you'll be on a team. So you'll make friends, not realizing the reality is when you're not athletic and not coordinated and there's a big expectation for you to be an athlete because you're just bigger than everyone. You're only going to let friends. Pe- you're going to let everyone down and be the worst player on your team. And then no one's going to want to be your friend. Oh, my God. So I was uh, a very inverse of Troy, but there was a whole lot of uh, toxic masculinity expected of me as a sports kid. Mm, I'm sorry. I know. It's, it's, it's okay. I've moved past it. There's definitely moments where my parents would be watching me and probably had to think to themselves, like, oh, God, I don't <laughs> think our kid's an athlete. Why did we do this? Oh, no. But do you think that thought actually ever crossed? I don't know if it did. I definitely realized, know that my mom uh, had a... Because my dad, my mom and dad were divorced by this point, so I didn't really get his take on it. But when I decided to quit swim team after 11 years, because it had never occurred to me, I don't have to do this. Like, oh, I'm just allowed to quit? I, I didn't realize that was an option. I just <laughs> assumed this was something I was stuck doing, because it's always been that way. My mom says, uh, oh, I thought you liked swim team. And I go, no. Why would I enjoy this? Why the fuck? Yeah, no, that's so funny. <laughs> I love I love those moments where like parents like pretend to be completely uh oblivious to the fact that their influence would have anything to do with their kids participating in something that they're not very good at. Like Oh yeah. 
I don't know. Maybe they thought eventually I'd get better. I I don't know. I don't know what the methodology was there. Well, because that's another thing, too, is when we think about Troy playing these sports, we never see him happier than when he's singing. Like, yeah. he clearly doesn't hate sports. Like, he enjoys his team. He enjoys playing. But, like, he's not out there soaring and flying the way he is when he's on stage. No, and I he's think... such a ham on stage. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's such a good time. And I think that's a really good sort of metaphor for, like, the euphoria that you feel when you're finally, like, doing what you're supposed to do and you're being who you're supposed to be. Yeah, I think it's, like, the dis- the, the well, big yeah. distinction between something you're passionate about and something you're just good at. Oh, Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing, too, about Troy singing is that it's his. It doesn't belong to anybody else. It doesn't belong to his dad's, like, past trauma. It doesn't belong to his friends who are also in drama club or that are, you know, that are on, like, the sports team. Like, it is something that he found for himself by chance, and it's his. Oh, yeah. It makes it way more special that way. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so... We've been talking a lot about Troy because obviously this is Troy's movie, but let's talk about like, why do we think it is that a movie like High School Musical was so impactful for girls? I just, I feel like for me, um, you know, growing up as a little girl and watching that movie, it was impactful because I thought that's what high school was going to be like. Mm-hmm. And when it wasn't, it was like a very rude awakening, you know? Yeah. It, 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 I can imagine. Honestly, beat the crap out of me as a person. Um, <laughs> I went through a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of shit in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know. I think I had like just kind of this idea of like what it was going to be like. Um, whether it was delusional, delusional or not, like that's, that's what I thought it would be like. And even though it wasn't exactly, you know, just like singing and dancing and everybody's like all happy and can be friends with each other, even though it wasn't like that, those, those core values of like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what other people think, like just do what you want to do and, you know, make yourself happy. Like that, that stuck with me. Yeah. And that's like a really universal message that I think pretty much everyone can get behind, you know? Yeah. I agree. I think... The reason that High School Musical has stayed with me over all these years, I think, is because it's Troy's story and not really centered on a girl. Because, especially as queer people, we don't always get to see ourselves represented in film and television. So we've had to spend a a lot of years finding the the aspects of different characters that resonate with us in order to feel seen. And... I think it's nice to be able to look at a character like Troy, who I don't have anything in common with in the sense that, you know, I'm not an athlete in the traditional sense. Like, Baton is very much kind of like a dancey sport, so a lot of people discount it. So I don't have that, and I had, you know, really supportive parents. I don't relate in that regard. But I look at that character, and I can pull a lot of the things he's struggling with and use them to sort of draw parallels to my own struggles in high school with identity and figuring out who I am. So I was able to navigate those emotions from a safe distance. And I think a lot of girls did the same. Yeah. I, I know that when I was in junior high, one of the last things they had us do in eighth grade, 
they we had to write letters about like it was like a journal thing for like the teachers I guess to read because I don't think we ever got them back about what we thought high school was going to be like like what were we expecting what are our hopes and dreams and fears and we didn't uh, high school musical was not out yet because it would have been 2003 2004 so it wasn't quite there yet but I remember a lot of people had this sort of fear in them that oh my god all of these seniors are going to be mean to us because we're going to be freshmen like it's dazed and confused and they're going to get hazed immediately (laughs) I don't uh, there's definitely like a a median between their expectations of what it was because it wasn't nearly that bad everyone just kind of went into their own circles and found their new friends and everything Mm -hmm. was fine but I like the idealization in a way of what High School Musical represents for someone like you, Willow, where you're like saying that you thought high school was going to be closer to this, maybe not the singing and dancing and choreography just in the lunchroom, but I would have, I think that that's not a bad thing. I like the idea of, yeah, well, let's take this and let's move forward and it's not necessarily realistic, but having idealized values isn't necessarily a bad thing. No. And I wonder if that's why, because uh, there's there's definitely like a, that generational riff we've talked about before where we're seeing more aware, emotionally aware people, more, I don't know if sensitive is the right word, but people are more cognizant of other, like more empathetic, I guess. That's probably the word I want. Yeah. Of each other. And I wonder if things like High School Musical, where they can see someone like Troy being like, you know empathetic and having non-traditionally masculine dreams and stuff sort of plays into that yeah because this is such a this was such a phenomenon you know yeah and it's such like it's such good exposure to how the real world is like not not in the magical sense of it obviously like yeah not the singing dancing but the fact that like once you get to high school it's like there is a way there's way more variety of the kinds of people that, like, you can interact with, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And even if it is kind of clicky and you have to kind of choose where you want to be, you also don't have to choose to be in one specific click. Like, you can... And that's how the, that's how the real wor- world is, too. It's like, you're going to meet people all the time that don't come from the same background as you, like, don't have the same experiences or, you know, life that you've had, but you find a way to, like, you know... I don't know, especially in jobs... Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's well, just... I think it's because high school introduces so many different extracurriculars when uh, leading up to high school and previous grades, everyone kind of is on the same same path and the same schedule where they take a lot of the same classes, but it sort of broadens out in high school yes. and it makes it a more complex society. Yes. <laughs> it goes from being like, it's mandatory to take art class in elementary school. And then when you get to high school, you can graduate without ever having taken an art class. No, yep. we needed art credits in our oh, high school. Oh, really? Yes, but I think things like choir and band counted towards arts credits. Oh, gotcha. Band, marching band counted towards a gym credit, but not af- not until after I'd already got my gym credits doing gym. <laughs> yeah, we had we had to do gym, and marching band counted for gym. Um, but we had to, like, you had to take driver's ed to graduate in Illinois, which is, what? I know, very different than a lot of states. And that's also so frustrating, too, is because... Because the United States is so big and state-to-state regulations are so different that none of us have the same experiences. We have, like, we're not even getting the same information, which I think is also important 
you know, letting High School Musical be the great unifier and that we can learn, like, yeah, we're all different and yep. all of our experiences are different. And I think that that's, that's a beautiful thing that it brings us. High School yeah. Musical, the great unifier. Yes. <laughs> so, Harmony, Willow has brought you High School Musical and High School Musical is asking you to prom. Are you circling yes, no, or maybe? And are you leaving a little note at the bottom? I feel like every time I answer this, it's, it's, it's going to be a yes. Okay. So and every yes. time you ask if I have a note, it's always something about the music in it. Like, <laughs> oh, hey, for Clueless, I want to, but only if the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones are playing like they are at that show in the thing. And this is the one where it's an actual musical. So, yes, I want to, but only if someone can explain to me what Twinkle Town is actually about. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, what the fuck is going on in Twinkle Town? There's so many things. We... Kelsey, we need a script. <laughs> For real, where's the libretto? Send it to me now. Wait, really... do you want to know the craziest thing? Yes, craziest always. Fact? Okay, so uh, for about like a year, I was working as like an intern and then a hired employee for a record label. And awesome. one of, yeah, it was fun. And one of the smaller labels that was owned by this one had signed the actress who plays Kelsey. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. What? So like she had solo music and they had signed her. And also she was 26 when she was cast in High School Musical. (laughs) That is like borderline grease levels of terrifying to me. Isn't that scary? She passes really well for that young. She does. Wow. That, yeah, you just blew my mind with that. I love it. Thank you for this tidbit. All right, y'all. So thank you so much for listening. As always, rate, review, subscribe. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at this sent at prom. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's my name at BJ Colangelo. Harmony, where can we find you? I am at Velocitraptor. Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. And normally this is when we would thank the Sonderbombs for our great, amazing theme song. But I'm just going to thank you personally, Willow. So thank Hell. you. And where can folks find you and your music and anything else you want to plug? Spotify, baby. Um, we're, we're everywhere. So if you, if you need to find us, you can Google us, the Sonderbombs. Wonderful. And you yeah. all should because everyone keeps telling us, like, oh, this song is so great. And I'm like, listen to the rest of their music because it's equally great. Yeah. So thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. And we will see you next time. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.